Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Welcome back to episode nine of the Analog Sticks podcast, where this week we're sampling Krabby Patties and SpongeBob SquarePants battle for Bikini Bottom. Let's go. Let's go. My name is Rusty, his name is Cody, this is Analog Sticks, and this week we're talking about a game, but before we do, Cody, how are you, my friend? First, I gotta congratulate you on not dicing up that intro. That was pretty good. I'm doing pretty good tonight. I made myself a cup of tea, like a, like an actual adult who has their life together. It's in a cup that says Plant Daddy. That's, uh, that's how I feel right now. That's a good way to be feeling. I'm happy for you. Personally, I just assisted in the making of a phenomenal dinner. My fiance made a meatloaf. I made the green beans and potatoes. It was very good. Hmm. You mentioned that to me earlier in text, and my first thought was, oh man, I need to go buy some ground beef or something. <laughs> we got like a five pound roll of beef a couple weeks ago and just froze off, like cut it in the one pound sections and froze them off. Hey, that's how you and do it. And we're kind of like, we still got like two of these left. What, what do we do? <laughs> so we made a meatloaf and it was delicious. So good. I helped. I'm going to try not to go into a food coma during this episode, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, a, a good meatloaf is a wonderful solution to a good problem to have of having too much meat. You know? Oh yeah, most definitely. Just just make the meat into a meat. <laughs> that makes no sense, <laughs> we, but it makes so much sense. What are we having sense. for dinner? Meat. Meat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this week we are talking about SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. This is a game oftentimes fueled by nostalgia for many of its fans, I would say. Cody, what are your experiences with this game? I was just a wee little baby when I first started playing it. It came out in uh, 2003, yes. right? Same year as Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, for those who are wondering. <laughs> Our favorite game, right? <laughs> um... I never got games new when I was growing up, so I think I got it like 2005, so I was uh, five or six when I was playing it, and as far as I remember, it was a wonderful game. It is the first game that I beat all by myself, all the way through. Oh, did not know that. That's actually awesome. I don't even remember what the first game I beat all the way through by myself. I know I played a lot of Wind Waker, but I know I never beat it, because I couldn't get through <laughs> No. I, I don't think I could get through the Earth Temple. I could get pretty far into it. I remember I had my dad help me with the second part of Forsaken Fortress because I was scared. <laughs> yep, that's that's where I was cut off. It's Earth Temple, and I'm like, okay, what do now? I'm going to go play a licensed game. And unfortunately, I wasn't playing licensed games like this one. I was playing licensed games like Power Rangers, Dino Force, or spd or whatever <laughs> whatever it was <laughs> some of that good old shovelware i that remember your grandma finds oh for you. my god i remember playing a curious george gba game when i was a youth that when, oh, when i was just a wee lad but uh yeah it's it's fun stuff i have no nostalgia for this game though i never played this game up until the rehydrated version released last year and i wasn't going to because i'm like i'm not paying 60 bucks for a spongebob game but then i saw it's not 60 bucks it's only 30 bucks and i'm like i can hey. i can justify that so I bought it yeah. and played through the whole thing. It was one of those games where I bought it, played it for a little bit, didn't touch it for two months, and I'm like, hey, I bought this. Why haven't I played it? And then I beat the whole thing, and it was it was an experience. I, it's got its ups and downs, I will say. And <laughs> one of those downs, unfortunately, well, no, it's I, I wouldn't say this is a down, but one of those things is the story. Mm -hmm. This is so. This is the last thing I have to say before we really get into it. Um, I'm the total opposite of you. I am fueled only by nostalgia right now. Uh, this is the first game we're discussing where I just haven't had the time to play it at all. Because uh, school is really starting to get back in. So it'll be nice to have the two sides of, uh, you know, two different viewpoints on the game. So yeah, and that's another thing. There are two different versions of this game as well. I believe we both mm -hmm. played the opposite ones. Seeing as the rehydrated version wasn't released until, was it 2020 or 21? I don't know. 
I've only played that version, Cody's only played the old version, so there might be some differences we don't know about and some things we might have different opinions on strictly because of the version differences, but we'll try to make it through that. I mean, this game, before we get into the story, is a collect-a-thon platformer, much like Banjo-Kazooie, but not at all like Banjo-Kazooie. I'd personally say this is not the best version of a collect-a-thon platformer, the way that there's, you can kind of farm some of the collectibles, it's not, I'm not a fan of that. We'll get into the collection more in a little bit, but first we gotta get into this burn, because the roof of my mouth's on fire. <laughs> Alright, are you ready? Yes. Alright, more importantly, are you ready, kids? <laughs> aye, aye, Captain! Plankton has just finished laying out his most devious plot to date, and made the wise decision to have his robot assembly machine have a don't obey feature that he naturally leaves on. So of course, we're living in the world of Wally, but instead of bringing us drinks, those bastard bots are antagonizing the civilians and out for sponge blood. After running through town, collecting Patrick's lost crusty socks, tossing a coin to Mr. Krabs, and gathering enough golden spatulas to fill King Neptune's kitchen, we're stomping into the chum bucket to take down the robo-clone and save the town. Woo! This game has a very simple story, and that's basically it's, it. <laughs> it is. There's, um, from what I remember, at least, so I have a kid's perspective on this now, <laughs> so a lot of what I say is just gonna be like, oh, I was actually just a kid. Uh, as far as I remember, there was barely any story. It was a lot of just jokes written by the spongebob team loosely tied together by uh plankton's robots <laughs> that that's pretty much it i feel like they could have taken this plot and made a whole spongebob episode of it out of it but they didn't really need to as you kind of experience it more so in your gameplay by going to all these different areas of the world and there are the big sandbox levels that are actually quite enjoyable for the most part there are some exceptions mm -hmm. and while they could have made a whole big plot out of it, they knew they didn't need to, and I kind of appreciate that. You don't need to muddle a game yeah. like this down with a ton of story, and it serves it, its, serves its purpose It would well. have just confused five-year-old me. I mean, that's not saying much, though, so... <laughs> 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 but yeah, the plot is essentially, Plankton made robots to help him take over Bikini Bottom. He set the machine, he has a lever that says obey and don't obey, and he mm -hmm. had it set to don't obey when he started it, so... It he, just happens, The you robots know. have a mind of their own now, and <laughs> our goal is to get enough golden spatulas to go into the chum bucket, because apparently that's a key, and defeat the robots that are just everywhere now, and you gotta go to all the worlds and collect the spatulas. And I mean, the worlds are really what makes a collect-a-thon platformer a collect-a-thon platformer, and... They do a ton of fan service with these worlds. As you know, it is a SpongeBob game. This isn't just like yeah. another collectathon platformer where it's like a Banjo Kazooie and they have to make their own lore. No, the lore is already out there. They have a solid groundwork yeah. to work on, and they do Can it I wonderfully. <laughs> I I gotta mention the the whole switch Plankton has has of um, obey and don't obey. Could you imagine if, like, Siri was actually really, really smart and Apple has just had it set to dumb or something like that? <laughs> I, I believe it. I can see that. There's just a big lever that says dumb, less dumb, even less dumb, kind of smart, genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a whole conversation for another time. Right now, I want to talk about Bikini Bottom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, starting with this, I'm going to go through all the worlds really quick. I have taken it upon myself to write a one-word description for each of them, and I'll just kind of go through the list here. I have Bikini Bottom, Hub, Jellyfish Fields, Easy, Downtown Bikini Bottom, Fun, Goo Lagoon, Solid, Poseidome, Boss, Industrial Park, Boss Again, so that one's two words I cheated, The Mermelair, Awesome, <laughs> Sand Mountain, Slide, <laughs> kelp, <laughs> kelp Forest, Bad, yeah. Flying Dutchman's Graveyard, Annoying, SpongeBob's Dream, Difficult, mm -hmm. Chum Bucket Lab, Bosses. <laughs> bosses. Bosses. I have my own um, suggestions and edits to this list. From my memory, Downtown Bikini Bottom sucked. Not fun. Really? I was five. 
There's a lot of swinging around. I love the physics swinging around. Hadn't, the physics didn't make sense to me yet, so all <laughs> I did was fall, and that sucked. I very specifically remember hating that level. I never wanted to be Sandy again until the game forced me to. See, I'm, I played the game when I was 20, 21, 22, whatever it may be. and it's Just I, a little smarter. Maybe a little bit. I don't know, five-year-old Cody and me are probably on similar IQ planes, but <laughs> <laughs> I personally really enjoyed playing as Sandy. Out of the three characters, I'd say she was my most enjoyable to control. Mm. I really liked the sections playing with her. I don't know if the rehydrated version did the physics of swinging and all that better, because they did kind of rework a lot of stuff within the game, but I personally enjoyed this section a lot. It's just really nice to get that kind of like... The swinging feels good to control. It's that thing I'm always looking for in any 3D game. And it's just so satisfying going over all these areas with the little lasso swing thing we'll get, get into a little more later. I absolutely loved it. I mean... What are, um... To you, what what's the pinnacle of a good swing mechanic? The physics have to make sense. Mm -hmm. And in this game, they're not perfect. I'm not going to say this is, like, the most fun you'll ever have swinging and gliding and stuff. But it's, it's definitely solid. Like, I don't know if it's just because it was the first game I played and what I expect to be the standard, but Wind Waker's Grappling Hook is, like, my favorite swinging mechanic ever, but it just sucks that you can't chain it. So, like, imagine if you could do that thing. Yeah. I'm going to do the representation with my hands so you can see if the audience isn't going to, where you, like, swing back, and then you swing down, and when you let go, you don't just stop in the air waiting for something else to do. Your f momentum carries through. If you let go here, you kind of... Yeah. If you let go at the downwards part of your swing, you shoot downwards. The middle, you shoot 90 degrees to the right, whatever it may be. And if you let go at the apex, you get that kind of 45-degree angle up in the air. Kind of arc up. Yeah. Which is just perfect. And in this game... You kind of get that a little bit, but it does have that little hesitation because you are meant to grab onto something else. I, I, don't, I can't think of any examples off my head of what I would really enjoy in the swinging, but I, I like this. It's definitely serviceable and doesn't feel bad. I wonder if the swinging got upgraded in this remaster. Um, of course, I would have to go back and play again, but as far as my memory is telling me, swinging as Sandy just wasn't super fun. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. It could be five-year-old Cody not knowing, or it could be genuinely bad. But in the rehydrated version, yeah. at least, I can confirm it's not bad. It's not awesome. bad. <laughs> as it's for, okay. As for some of these other worlds and stuff, before we get into anything else, I do want to talk about how this game does the thing a lot of 3D platformers, especially of the N64 and early GameCube days do, where towards the end, the levels just get incredibly difficult for no reason. It starts out yeah. with the Kelp Forest, which isn't just overbearingly difficult or anything. It's just kind of like a bland world to be in, and I don't really enjoy it. And then the in challenges memory, aren't fun. In my the Kelp fun. Forest and the Flying Dutchman's Graveyard have kind of meddled and combined into one thing. I could see like, how they, that could happen. I could definitely see because, that. And, and I looked at some walkthroughs before we started this so I could kind of refresh my memory. In the old version... Uh, there's no type of lighting engine or shaders that we have today. So both those levels are really dark. <laughs> and everyone, it, it, it looks like you're sitting in a room lit by one lamp or something. It kind of kind of creepy vibes. Yeah, I mean, it's still somewhat got that, but it definitely does have much better lighting. I've seen video and gameplay of these sections. And honestly, in my opinion, the old version of the game just doesn't look pretty at any point. None of the models no. look particularly good. I mean, not that they look outstanding in the rehydrated version, but they look serviceable. I feel like they could have gotten a little more polished. We'll get to that in a little bit, though. But these areas are well lit enough to where, in my head, I can see them distinctly differently. Just because, like, not necessarily the skybox, but what's around you. In the Kelp Forest, all you can see is the Kelp Forest. In yeah. the Flying Dutchman's Graveyard, there's kind of like an eerie sky around the whole thing. And the lighting is definitely different between the two worlds. The Kelp Forest feels much darker and dreary. And there's another level towards the end that also kind of is annoying and difficult. And that's the SpongeBob's Dream level. Which is just difficult. I love difficult. that level. It's it's fun. I enjoyed it, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, that was a hard level. <laughs> yeah. So even five year old me cared more about the vibes than anything else, and I remember that level was really hard. But something about how surreal it was, 
um, just really tickled my brain as a kid. I loved the creativity in it. Uh, it made me want to think about, like, man, what would my dream be like if I had to <laughs> run around in it as a platformer? <laughs> what would it be filled with? See, hearing stuff like that makes me sad that I didn't get to play this game as a kid and have those same thoughts, but this level is just... I mean... I'll, I'll give the question to you right now. If you... If you had to platform through your own dreams, what would uh, what would be some obstacles? See, with this, I'm my I'm thinking right now, and I my mind isn't abstract enough to put together a good idea. Like I'm like, oh, I'd go and like be on the field at Yankee Stadium or some crazy place like that. I was gonna That'd say, so there, cool. there's got to be. I bet there's some rotating baseball bats, so you have to like oh, jump around. God, I something. hate rotating long elongated rotating platforms with a passion. <laughs> That's so specific. You ever play games where you're just like, ah, elongated rotating platforms? Ah, it's the worst. <laughs> Don't even get me started on those elongated rotating platforms. But, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. If I were to put together, like, a dream world, kind of like, based on things I like, there would be stuff like baseball, classic rock and video game imagery floating around the sky. Like, in SpongeBob's dream, there's like, there, there are different sections based on different things he likes, and it's really cool the way yeah. it's laid out, and there's stuff floating in the air and all that fun stuff. I think you actually get to now, interact with some of it. The sections that are different people, are those other people's dreams, or is that, like, Spongebob's perception of them? I'm not entirely sure. That's a good question for somebody who has a bigger brain than myself, but <laughs> I think that SpongeBob gets to enter their dreams when he gets to their like house in the dream or whatever. Oh, that's an episode, right? I think that is, yeah. I, I, I'm not well-versed enough in SpongeBob. Every now and then my fiancé and I will put it on to go to sleep or something, but we're never like actually watching. Yeah, there's an episode where he like invades everyone's dreams, um... Gary is super smart, and he's at the library. Uh, Patrick is riding one of those. I do remember that machines. Now that you're saying <laughs> it, he's he's riding the machine. Doesn't he like not have any more quarters, and he's devastated? Yeah, and then SpongeBob has one to give, but it rolls into like a sewer grate. There's nothing else except that sewer <laughs> it's, grate. It's, a, it's one the of the quarter rocking machines and a sewer grate. So naturally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in this game, Patrick's dream is just a dark room. <laughs> like, it's just a black room. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's Patrick there, and he's like, I challenge you to... I, I, I can't remember the exact details, and I don't want to get it wrong, but he's trying to give you challenges in a room that's nothing, and it's it's comical. <laughs> it's comical. So. I remember... I very specifically remember squidward's part of the dream and how you have to bounce on uh, music notes that are moving around right that's a very it, it's a difficult section but it's, it, it feels good to go through especially when you get the hang yeah. of it and that's another thing with this game as well these levels the platforming can feel difficult at first and kind of maybe not quite janky but definitely a little off it's something you can master and get the hang of after a little while, but it still feels like you're kind of taking advantage of the engine, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong, and you might hate me for saying that, but that's how that feels to me, at least. Yeah, it, it's like it, it feels like you're fighting the engine the whole time as you're moving around. Kind of, a little bit. I mean, I've got my gripes with it. I've got listed here in a little bit. Are there any other standouts from the worlds you want to touch on before we move on from this section? I mean... Sand um, Mountain's well, a good one. That's just mm -hmm. sliding and trying to do races and stuff. But we'll get to it. I think when we talk more about the bosses, but the mm -hmm. industrial waste park. Um, I really, looking back, I really like the the look of that one. That was a fun one to play around in. Yeah, that that's a neat one. We'll get into that with the bosses, like you're saying. I mean, Jellyfish Fields is your starter area it's very simple easy to get around it's pretty very pretty it's um it's funny how how tropey these first levels can get it's super peaceful like green hill zone grassy fields uh it's interesting to me how a lot of first worlds fall into that yeah it's so specific just these rolling hill vibes of you're okay. Nothing can really hurt Make you. Make it pretty and easy to get around so they can get a feel for the game. And then that's the mm -hmm. end of it. That's your first level. And I mean, I don't remember much about Goolagoon. I remember it being kind of blandly designed. And that's basically all I've got to say about that. And that's pretty much all the worlds we touched on them. Um, real quick, I want to get into the graphics of this game. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, how nothing looks stellar. 
in the rehydrated version, they made all the scenery look pretty. Like, everything is nice to look at, but it's not nice to interact with at all times, mm. which kind of drives me a little nuts. And How so? Are you able to... Sometimes they don't make it clear where out of bounds is and where... Gotcha. So, like, there will be something, oh, I can platform on that, and then you try to jump on it. It's like, actually, that platform is out of bounds. Try again. Or it looks like you can get through a gap in a fence, but if you do, it it dies. And this is paired... I was playing the Switch version on Rehydrated, because that's what I have. And Mm -hmm. the load times are horrific, so it was just frustrating to think I could platform on something. And then I end up just dying. Which, I mean, they don't penalize oh. you from die- for dying or anything, which is nice, but it's still just annoying yeah. to deal with. <laughs> that reminds me, when you die, the-, the hand comes out and grabs you, right? Yes, from out of bounds. <laughs> yeah, that- that's just really creepy. There's a bug oh, I found great. when I was just messing around with the game this week. I don't know exactly what I did to trigger it, but the hand went to go grab me, and it missed and spongebob was just like holding on for dear life his body was elongated and he was just being stretched i'm like that's horrific shoot (laughs) (sighs) fun stuff i mean the game looks vibrant and full of life for the most part it's not nearly as dull as the original was the rehydrated version is full of color it looks great i just feel the textures and models really could have used a bit more polish to make it more towards the perfect level of the spectrum it's good yeah i was I was noticing when I was looking at just how rehydrated looks, a lot of the textures are nice and updated, um, nice and HD or smooth, but then there's some textures, especially on like some of the common enemies or objects, where it looks like it's still got the GameCube uh, quality to it. Yeah, some of the models look simply upscaled, and I don't think that's a good thing because the models are not well designed. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed (laughs) this, but the models are less than stellar. I mean, like no, some of those models, like the the tiki things, they just look cobbled together. It looks like they saw Crash Bandicoot and said, "Yeah, just just, just do that, but change it a little so they don't know oh, you copied shoot. it." That's totally Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> well, I never made that connection. It's the yeah, copy my homework um, but change it so they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other thing I've noticed, if if we're gonna be talking about, um, like the graphics specifically now is although the old version doesn't look as good, uh, not as vibrant, somehow the design of the characters are more familiar to me. Like, the the rehydrated version, it's almost as if they were looking at the newer Spongebob episodes to mm-hmm. a, as their guide to how to uh, make these characters look. Yeah. Whereas the Spongebob characters in the old version look like the old animated versions of them. Yeah, my only thing with it, though, is it's got the same problems like the Simpsons Hit and Run we did a couple weeks ago has, where the models are 2D characters that they're bringing to life in 3D, and that's a tough transition to make, regardless of what you're doing, because you're bringing a whole new level of depth, quite literally, to these characters. And what I would do to make it a little bit better is to essentially just... I don't know if you call it just cell shading or just putting a thick outline on them, but you take their sprite at each angle that they are used in the show, and you just put that in the game with a thick outline to make it look three-dimensional, even though you're still using that same character model. We've seen this in a couple of other games that are licensed particularly, but, I mean, this... They're tough models to get into the right dimension, and, I mean, they did a good enough job. You can obviously tell they're SpongeBob characters, and they look... they resi- they're, It's not like they're horrifically bad or anything like that. It's just they don't look good. Yeah. <laughs> So, that's my whole thing with the models. That's nonsensical as all hell, but you know what? It's going to be okay. (laughs) But I'm clicking through um, a scene of the old and new, and the proportions are totally different. Really? Uh, Yeah, the proportions on the models for the new characters, I think, look much better than the old characters. Like, in the old models... um, these are more just early GameCube modeling issues. Like, Patrick's arms are kind of weird and small. <laughs> Squidward's head is just really exaggerated in its shape. <clears throat> just little things like that. Uh, they It looks like they've really fixed with the new models. One thing I just remembered while you were talking about the models in particular is when you go into Sandy's house, there's a reference to the show where SpongeBob dries out and looks like 
he did methamphetamine or something. I don't oh, know yeah. if you recall this at all, but it is horrific looking, and I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> they they do so how much they, charm. How did they do that in the game? What's that? Is it like? Is that like when you first come in, they just do that gag? When, it's when you're in Sandy's tree dome the whole time. You're playing as the oh, dried out SpongeBob, and he's like, <laughs> "That's right." <laughs> it, it's it's. I, I mean, that's going into, like, fan service and stuff, but just the nods yeah. to the show that they have all throughout the game are amazing. They do a very good job of making it feel as Spongebob-y as possible, if anybody's yes. ever said that phrase before. <laughs> Although, the one downside I find is that uh, all the characters, you know, they have their little catchphrases that they'll say throughout the game, and I know that happens a lot with uh, these platforming-type games, but some of the phrases they say just lasts too long oh my gosh like when i you press entirely a button agree. as spongebob um he he has like a whole six second thing he says and then you're already you know three or four actions ahead of the thing he was talking about <laughs> i have this down on my sheet the way dialogue works as a whole is just really weird because <laughs> the way it works is there's roaming dialogue of course which you know in a mario or a zelda game is your yeah yahoo whoopee yeah you know yeah. all that stuff in this game like you hit a button and the line i mean i can remember because it it's all he says sometimes pushing a simple button is the most satisfying or something like that and it's like push 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 yeah, push exactly see you remember but <laughs> there's just it's, so much yeah, of it's that it's been 15 years <laughs> and there's so much of this roaming dialogue that just happens when you're interacting with the world that just is annoying I mean, mm -hmm. it's charming when you hear it once or twice, but if you're playing for two hours and you've heard him say push, 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 like 30 times, it's just like, please stop. Or when you throw the, the bubble bowl, we'll get into the move set here in a little. He's like, Bolo-rama! And it's just like, you don't have to do it every <laughs> single time. And that's one yeah. thing, like, you don't think about it when you're playing a Mario game, and I think that's honestly better. Because when you do have to think about it, you're like, oh my god, this is miserable. Well, it's because Mario's not, um, you know, telling his life story every time he's he just saying, yeah, yahoo, yippee, and it's great. I mean, you don't yeah. notice it, but, I mean, you don't complain about it either. And that's not all with the dialogue, though. The roaming dialogue's a little annoying, but the conversational dialogue, if you walk up to an NPC and you chat with them, it, it's fine. It's written by the spongebob team so it's it's got it's cheap low jokes in there that are just like oh aha uh -huh, i see what you did there in my opinion it's comedy that is funny but doesn't make me laugh mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's fair or that, that's just how i feel there i think it's the 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 humor in the game it feels very on brand for spongebob but something about it is not on the same level as a good spongebob episode i feel like having to write the dialogue for a video game is a much different context than you know writing it for a tightly controlled show um and so that for a lot of the spongebob writers i'd imagine that'd be kind of a new experience for them mm -hmm. unless they've you know done games before but i i feel like this is the first spongebob game of its scope if i remember right there are a couple of other spongebob games that were out before this one i can't tell you anything about them off the top of my head and i feel like i've heard people say that they're bad but I'd imagine it's still a very different experience to write, you know, two sentences of text for something that you may come into at any time versus a structured script where this person says this at this time. It's a completely yeah. different writing style. And if you're not doing an RPG, it's different to write for, obviously. And But the way they handle this is so weird because when you're talking to the NPCs, their text comes up in a text box and you can press A to progress but they're still doing, like, they're talking, they're voice-acted lines. The voice actors are a little weird, too, but that's, that's, I'm getting to that. I just, real quick. Oh, wait, so if you advance the text in the box, they're still just gonna talk out the whole thing? Yes, until you get to the, <laughs> but what's so weird about it, what drives me absolutely insane with this, is that the text box pops up on the screen, you can read it and press A, and they keep talking when you're already looking at the next text box. And you can progress all the way through to the end, and once you get to that last one, you hit the button, and it cuts off their dialogue. Like, they're done talking. You read it all, it's done. They're in the middle of a sentence, it doesn't matter. But, if you're trying to listen to the dialogue and let it play, it does not progress until you hit A. So Mr. Krabs will be like, SpongeBob, I need you to go get me some shiny objects. 
because I need them to fund my new affairs. Get going, boy. <laughs> like it, it's just yeah. I, 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 I'm... Dramatic pause. <laughs> it's um so from what I remember, the system that was on the old version is you could skip through text like that, but then the other button was to just leave the conversation entirely. There is that um, too. Is... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm trying to get the information because, you know, some of it is useful. Five-year-old you probably didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of times where I got lost because, you know, it would be in the dialogue somewhere where they tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. And then you just skipped it. <laughs> yeah, why would I? I can't read. Yeah, well, no. Well, you could, but could you didn't want to. It took too long. I remember uh, I'm playing video games. <laughs> I remember playing Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, whatever it was, on my GBA in like second grade. So nah, probably younger than that. It might have been kindergarten or something. But I remember playing it and I was sitting at my parents' house or something playing it. My dad had a friend or something over and he's like and he's like his friend's like, Oh, he just plays that game, huh? My dad's like, Oh, the whole thing's reading, it's all good. And I'm just over here like, I'm not reading a damn thing on this screen. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I have no I remember I was like five or six years old. I'm like, I have not read a single word on the screen the whole time. <laughs> I gotta say, this is, um, this is, I'll just say it now because it's relevant. Uh, video games is why I learned to read early. Uh, I learned how to read before kindergarten because my older brother would read, like, dialogue for me when I played games. And at some point, he just got sick and tired of doing that for me every time I wanted to play games, so he stopped. So, I went to my parents about it, and they're like, well, you're either going to have to learn how to read, or you can't play these games. And poor Cody just and wanted so, to progress through the, the Dragon Race Cavern and Wind Waker. Yeah, no, I needed to beat Voodoo Vince. Oh. Uh, and so I I did it. I, I mean, it took a lot of help, and I'm sure my brother ended up putting more work into helping me learn to read than just reading for me. Valuable but skill, though. We made it happen. <laughs> yeah no i mean that's I the remember, power of video games i remember i did learn to read from video game this is a whole conversation we could probably do a bit on like learning with video games but playing games like early zelda and some of the mario rpgs particularly thousand year door which teaser we may be covering soon i remember thinking okay i if i want to know what to do i actually have to read this because they're telling me what to do I, it's not just nothing, which is what I first thought when I was playing Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's not just nothing. They're actually telling you what you need to do, so I had to learn to read it, because I wasn't about to ask my parents, hey, can you come in here and read this game to me? Like, that, that wasn't going to happen, so I, yeah. I, I did okay with that, but fun stuff. With the dialogue, though, you said you remembered some of the roaming dialogue from 15 years. My fiancé actually used to play this game with her older brother when she was younger, and I was playing it just yesterday on the couch, or this morning even, I don't know. And she was, like, quoting the roaming dialogue as it was being said. I'm like, the fact <laughs> that you remember this after not playing for 15 years is phenomenal. And I love that. So, I mean, it resonates, but I think it's a little annoying. Because mm -hmm. it turns out there's, there's only so much room in your brain for important things. <laughs> and it's now filled with Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom dialogue. <laughs> I think that's the way to be, honestly. We're <laughs> moving on right, from that, though. Yeah, we've got next quite a few things to talk about still, and we were about halfway through this. Woo. Collection and gameplay. I mean, this is a collectathon platformer. I wouldn't say it's good at the collectathon part, but it is a decent enough platformer. As far mm -hmm. as the actual collection goes, though, there are eight golden spatulas in each area, I believe, which are like your stars in Super Mario 64, your Jiggies and Banjo-Kazooie, yeah. Emblems of Courage and Billy Hatcher the Giant Egg. <laughs> then there's also Patrick's Lost Socks, which you can find varying amounts in each world. Uh, there are shiny objects, which you get from defeating enemies, breaking those aforementioned tiki boxes... And you can just kind of find, find them lying around the world as you're doing your platforming as well. And with those, you can trade them to Mr. Krabs when you get a certain benchmark and he'll give you a golden spatula. But what drives me kind of nuts with this stuff and makes me think it's less of a collectathon is that you can exit an area, come back, defeat the same enemies, and collect the same shiny objects over again. And I don't really like that if there's an objective to collect, to collect shiny objects and turn them in for spatulas. Yeah. How did that turn out for you 
playing as an older person? Like, did you take advantage of that and just uh, farm some stuff for a bit? At first, I was thinking I was going to be playing and going through and collecting one shiny, like a set amount of shiny objects in every world, and you needed all of them to get all the things. And once I realized that they would respawn and come back and I could farm them, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to waste my time getting every single one of these. So it kind of dampened the exploration a little bit. Now that these worlds are expansive and crazy and needing to be explored to their fullest potential. But it definitely did take away from it a little bit for me in the sense that I stopped trying to get them because I always felt like I had enough and I never felt like I needed to go get more. I looked back, I have a near 100% save file, like 97% or whatever. I have all the golden spatulas done. I just need to get more of the socks. So Not the golden spatulas. I have all the... Uh, Shiny objects, star spatula is done. I just need to go get the socks to finish it out, and I'm never gonna do it because I don't care. But yeah, the socks are the ones that are kind of tucked away and hard to get places. Yeah, right? I mean, and sometimes you'll be able to see it, but you have absolutely no clue how to get it. And I feel like it is well laid out in that sense. Some of them are a little easier to get, like, hey, go down this little side path instead of taking the main road, and you'll get a sock down there or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and in Sand Mountain in particular, there's like shortcuts and stuff that lead you to them, which are really cool, and I like that. But I mean, I don't know. I I feel like the collection is a little lacking to call it a full-on collectathon. It's just get stars. You can find some socks here and there, and you can find money and turn it in for stars. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. You don't even need nearly all the stars to be... Uh, all, not stars. I keep saying stars, just know I mean spatulas. You don't need nearly all of the spatulas to beat the game, so you can kind of just skip all that if you want, which is nice, because if you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah. But I feel like the socks kind of have the same problem as, like, the blue coins in Mario Sunshine, where it's like, why do I have eight spatulas locked behind gathering a hundred socks or whatever it is? Like, that... Yeah, I'm not a fan of yeah, that. Yeah, that, that part does kind of suck. It... What I would love to do is think about why does the collecting work in Odyssey, which is the game we just talked about before this one, and why does it not work in Spongebob? I think a big part of it is in Odyssey, um, the rewards you get for collecting are varied, whereas in Spongebob, it all just kind of funnels into spatulas, which is just how you beat the game, and then that's it. But with Odyssey, you know, if you get enough, you actually get to see your work paid off in the things you interact with the most within the game. Like, I feel like in Odyssey, the collection is the reward. Like, you go through and you're trying to get all the outfits. When I was playing Gathering gameplay footage for the podcast last week, I ended up just getting sucked into the Snow Kingdom because I realized I hadn't completed enough of it. And I, I had a ton of fun going around looking for all the purple coins, just gathering a bunch of moons and stuff, and then going and buying the outfits. And the outfits are the reward. The purple coin, seeing that little meter fill up or whatever it is, is the reward. And seeing all the moons on the top left corner of your screen and then throwing them in the Odyssey. Yeah. It's all satisfying to have each individual collection as its own reward. And in this game, like you're saying, it's just spatulas. And I, I don't really like yep. that. I mean, the collection's only one part of the gameplay, though. There's a bunch of other stuff that goes into this. It is a full-blown 3D platformer, running, jumping, a bunch of different attack types. You've got a double jump in there, whole diverse moveset, and three playable characters. Do you have any standouts with the moveset here? No, not at all. Uh, all I remember is the bubble bowling, because you brought it up earlier. And then the, the rocket thing, which Ugh. I didn't really like. It was, I think it was a thing you just kind of used when the game required you to use it. Yeah, I, the cruise bubble is what you're speaking on. And it's literally Spongebob throws a missile bubble and you gain control of it like a remote missile. It controls not very well. The physics feel a little off, but you can get the hang of it. When you're first using it, it feels bad, but after a little bit, it gets better. It's kind of that same thing like we were saying earlier. You're battling the engine, but it is something you can get control of because it's yeah. consistently designed, at least. I'm, rem I'm trying to remember. I remember the bubble stomp. I remember the spinny thing. And the spinny thing you would do if you need a little extra reach when you jump, right? I'm not entirely sure. I know that you have your just basic melee spin attack. Is that what you're talking? Yeah, I remember using that for my for my double jumps. I don't remember that. I know that you do have the double jump. You have that spinning melee attack. I don't know if it gets you any more time in the air or anything like that. 
It might uh, help with direction. It may, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. You also have, like, a jump-up attack, where you put on a bubble Viking helmet as Spongebob and just shoot into the oh, air. yeah. And then you have That's a... That's how you would kill the Tiki dudes. Yes, some of them floating in the air for no reason. And there are there's also a ground pound, the cruise bubble, bowling... And there's something else I'm missing. There's a few other things. Ooh, there's like the little bubble the sponge sponge ball is what they call it, where you turn yourself into a ball and it feels a lot like the Shavarian Racer in Mario Odyssey, which we covered last week again, yeah. where you're just kind of bouncing around and you build up a whole bunch of speed. <clears throat> and I love anything momentum-based like that. The sliding is very similar in that sense where you jump, you carry your momentum from the sliding, and it's, it's a lot of fun to control that way. The moveset's decent. I mean, with Patrick and Sandy as well, it's a little different. Patrick can pick up big things and throw them because he's just an oaf. But it restricts your moveset in some other senses. He doesn't have the big upwards attack. And Sandy, for instance, has her lasso. Like, you know, because Texas and all. <laughs> she can lasso on the <laughs> enemies the... from a distance, which is really cool. She's also got her karate chops when you're up close to somebody. But she doesn't have yeah. a ground pound or the upwards attack. She can swing from things, and she has, like, a glide where she spins her lasso in the air and uses it like a parachute almost. <laughs> the the Texas things she swung on, I feel like, are is another great example of that surrealist nature of early 2000s video games. Oh my gosh, I like, remember first just seeing them. float there, and then you knew Sandy had to use it because it was Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the way this works, if you haven't played the game, there are these orange balls with a giant... Texas cutout on top of them with the Texas flag colors and all that. Mm -hmm. It's it's comically large, and they do not fit in with the environments at all. But I still see them and think, oh, cool, Sandy's in this level. Because <laughs> I yeah. like the gliding <laughs> mechanic. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just because, I mean, I've been playing a lot of A Short Hike still because that game is so good. It's the so gliding good. in that Guys, game is phenomenal. Watch that episode. Yeah, go watch the short hike episode. It's it's so good. And watch my speedrunning video on it too, because that's also good. But I, I I like gliding. Something about it just feels good. So Sandy's fun. <laughs> um, with the sliding mechanics, I was telling you about that and how the momentum's really good. There's a couple of other things with it I didn't like. Like for instance, when you're doing a timer challenge where you have to slide down a big windy, twisty, jumpy slope, sometimes. If you fall off, you can get a checkpoint halfway through. It puts you back on the ramp, but the timer is, like, void. Like, oh, you failed this, but you still have to slide down the rest of the way. I, it's just a little thing that's a little janky, and I'm not a fan of that oversight, but it's it's okay. I get over it. Are there any timed sections that you have to beat uh, to progress through the, through the game? I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can work it around to where you won't have to. And there are some small, like, 10-second timers here or there where it's like, oh, the the lake is ice for 10 seconds, go across it. I don't think you're counting that. But I think you can basically skip a couple of the worlds entirely. And maybe Sand Mountain, which is the one notorious for sliding, you can skip. But yeah. I know there is a pretty decent sliding section that isn't timed in the first level. Like, 1-1. Like one, one you have a big sliding section right after defeating the jellyfish. So, <laughs> it's cool. But another thing with this is the way some of the combat works really drove me nuts at times. The enemies are all just a bunch of robots, and the combat feels okay, but it still feels like it's missing just a little something, and I can't put my finger on it quite. I, I don't I, know what part it is. Of, what part of it might be is you don't, from what I remember, you don't get too many options like you can't get as creative with your combat certain robots just need to be destroyed in a very certain way and so when you encounter enemies it's like i don't know you you have to just do that muscle memory movement again to take them out you're not really thinking about it too much yeah 100 percent. but one thing in particular that really drove me nuts this is just something i found playing the game just yesterday and then i remembered if you walk up to a ledge and there are melee enemies on the top of the ledge and you're on the bottom of the ledge, they will come up to the ledge and as soon as you get a jump, they're going to hit you. Ugh. It, it's just, oh, that's dumb. it's annoying. I mean, I can get over it because there are moves you can do to get past them like that, but it, it's just annoying. And as for the enemies, yeah. they're all just a bunch of Plankton's robots. There's a whole bunch of different variations we don't really need to get into. There are ranged robots. One that stands out to me is the hammers. They're robots with gigantic hammers made of ham, 
which is just comical. Robot names are funny. I mean, I'll run through the names. We don't have to get into each of them. The basic one's the fodder. There's the hammers, the tartars, which shoot tartar sauce at you. The chomp bots, which are kind of like dogs. Uh, G-loves, which are flying saucers that wear gloves. So G-love, glove. <laughs> Chuck, I don't remember. Oh, they throw missiles at you. Yeah. Uh, monsoon, they summon storm clouds. Bomb bots are basically bombs without feet. They just roll around. Uh, sleepy times are giant sleeping vending machine-like robots that will kill you basically instantly if you wake them up. Arfs Ooh. are like dog bombs. Well, no, ARFs summon ARF dogs, which are like the bombs, but ARFs are just big cowboy robots that throw dogs at you. Uh, the <laughs> bots shoot lasers at you. The tubelets are, they come in pairs of three, and they're wearing, they're like chunky robots in inner tubes in a tower. So you have to like defeat the bottom one, then do that upwards attack to take out the other two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have flamethrowers, because, you know, why not? And then there's slicks which have a bubble shield, so you have to break the shield, then you can hit them. And they just spawn oil that hurts you and makes the ground slippery, and it's really annoying. And there's a lot of these, uh, what are they, duplicatatrons? Yeah. Which summon more robots constantly until you defeat them, and they blow up when you defeat them. They, they're just annoying. It's it just inconvenient a lot of the times. I'm a big fan of enemies spawning enemies like that, though, if they're done well. I feel like... There is potential there, but this isn't done necessarily well. Yeah. Like, in a boss fight that's tough, for instance, if I need drops, I like it when they keep spawning, like, easy-to-beat pushover enemies for me to get health refills or something like that. In this, it just feels like, work your way through this section, and there's a constant barrage of enemies coming at you until you can get to the end of it and stop that barrage. Have fun. That's what it is. For something like a Duplicatatron 1000, you... It's got to be something where it's a rush to defeat it as soon as you can. You can't have a an enemy spawning thing like that and then ask them to like grind through the enemies to get to it. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, you're doing other stuff by the way too. So you can go try to take care of that, but you're literally going to go past the thing you need to do. So you may as well just do this <laughs> first. I don't know. It's not perfect in my opinion. I have my gripes with it. All in all, the enemy in combat design is okay. But it doesn't always feel fair. Some stuff that does feel a little more... I don't even know if it feels more fair. Let's talk about the bosses. <laughs> I loved the bosses growing up. I don't know if they're good. <laughs> but I remember really liking them. And I would purposely just go back and beat the bosses over and over. But that was one thing I made a point to go back and do this time around. Was go back and defeat the bosses. And I was a little underwhelmed. They weren't bad, but they weren't good. Like, they're not standout bosses. Mm -hmm. And I played this game last year or, or a year and a half ago, whenever it may have been. And I really didn't remember any bosses other than the final boss. And even the final boss, I forgot about half the fight entirely. So I'm not a huge fan of it mm. by any means. I mean, you have three mini bosses, King Jellyfish, the Prawn, and the Flying Dutchman. And they're all easy pushover boss fights that are just kind of like, yeah, Those you have to do them. bosses are super forgettable. I forgot you fought the Flying Dutchman, and I, fr I didn't even know what they meant when it said prom, on prom, P-R-A-W-M on the list. <laughs> yeah. I remember King Jellyfish when I saw it, but I forgot about King Jellyfish. Beforehand. I know that one, because that's just the first boss you yeah. fight, right? And he's cool looking, he's taking a shower with peanut butter curtains, because you know peanut butter and jelly, like the imagery there. It's a neat mm -hmm. little joke. But the actual bosses in the game are pretty solid. You have Robot Sandy, Robot Patrick, SpongeBob Steel, SpongeBot Steel Pants, and they're all pretty good fights. I mean, they're not particularly hard. You get a little bit of that annoying jank with the engine that you can work yeah. through, but I, I, it didn't take me more than one or two tries to defeat these bosses. And deaths are very I, forgiving as well. I very specifically remember uh, fighting and beating these bosses as a kid. Uh, this is one of my first memories of feeling really satisfied with what I did in a video game. You know, that feeling of, like, being able to overcome uh, the challenge put in front of you. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time I was able to really overcome that and <laughs> beat some bosses. Yeah, no, that's the- I could see that as a little kid, definitely. Nowadays, it's like, I have to do this boss fight, it's okay. And I moved on. Yeah. 
I mean, I've played Metroid games where it's like you you grind your way through learning the boss, or some Souls games, for instance, where it feels like a genuine challenge. And once you beat them, you feel like you've mastered every aspect of the combat. You know what the Souls games need? What? They need roaming dialogue. Oh, God. <laughs> no game Wouldn't needs rolling di roaming dialogue. <laughs> oh, you're, I'm, I'm nauseous now. Thanks. <laughs> Real quick, the SpongeBob, uh, Sandy and Patrick, they're just okay fought fights. It's avoid their attacks, and then there's an obvious opening, and you hit them in the opening. But the SpongeBob, the SpongeBob Steel Pants fight is a little bit different. I don't know if that's necessarily better, but it is very much different, and it stands out a little bit. So when it starts out, you enter the Chum Bucket Lab, and there's a giant karate SpongeBob, you know, with the headpiece and the big karate gloves on. And then there's little Robo Plankton, kind of like a drone flying around like Junior Bowser would in a Mario game. Yeah. Who's just kind of there. <laughs> and basically he swings at you, knocks down the platforms that you're trying to run and jump across. And then there are openings where he just stops and you have to basically hit pimples with the missile. I don't like the missile, yeah. so it's a little annoying, but it's definitely doable. And the attacks aren't too difficult to avoid. But once you defeat all the pimples, you have to go inside the robot. And I have a gripe with this section because it just feels like another level. It does not feel like a boss fight. The music isn't epic or like, oh, you've got to run through this section and defeat everything and then that's the game. No, it's just kind of like more of the same and defeating enemies and hitting buttons. And once you hit all four buttons, you get a cutscene and you win. It's very much like this is really how we end this game, huh? You're right. That is um that is kind of a weird ending to the boss fight. There's not that uh that tight rush of you know my last bit of energy I got to put into beating this. Like it Mario really Odyssey. Slow down. Yeah. Ah, slows right on down for that ending part. And you can take your time too. It's not like there's a swarm of it. It's yeah, like can, there's four enemies just here. Just hang out inside of them. There's four enemies here defeat them and then you got to find the button with the bubble. The, the the cruise bubble and break it and then it's like well okay and when you first get to a platform robo plankton's there but if you hit him once he just kind of leaves you alone yeah it's like well, what what <laughs> i don't know the music the, the, the bosses they're okay i mean if i was six I, and had nostalgia for this game i'm sure i'd love them but i don't because i don't have nostalgia i had to look this up to make sure i wasn't crazy growing up I had a big, huge Lego Spongebob, and I would pretend that he was the Spongebob boss from the end of the game, and I would, like, beat him up and, you know, break the set. Breaking your Legos. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I did it. I beat him. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> or I would have my little Lego guys um, fight him. That was always fun. That reminds me of when me and my friends would play, like, Mario Bros, and we'd pretend we were in, like, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, and we're running around, and we're like, well, we gotta go defeat Bowser now! <laughs> Man, kids do dumb stuff. So much fun. <laughs> I love it. Do you love the music in this game, though? I didn't forget it this time. I I don't remember. Is it Spongebob music, it's, or is it's, it its own video It's Spongebob music, music but it's... Okay. The boss music is pretty good, isn't it? It's okay. I feel like every okay. single music track in this game has the problem of looping too soon. Mm. Like, maybe it's like a 30-second loop. And in areas like Jellyfish Fields and Goo Lagoon and the Sand Mountain, I feel like it just kind of gets a little annoying fast. Like, none of the music is bad, necessarily. It's all good songs, and it's like, if you just listen to the 30-second clip, it's nice. But when you're listening into it for 30 minutes on a 30-second loop, it gets a little tiring, and I wasn't a fan of that. It 60 times. I mean, I'd say it looks good on a microscope, but it's it's a little overbearing. It is nice and whimsical SpongeBob music, though. It's, it's good for what it is, but not for when you're running around the same sandbox for 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> I've got a couple more talking points here. Uh, we've touched on the dialogue. I can cross that out. Uh, touched on the out-of-bounds areas, the load collision. times, collision detection. Yeah, there are some sections with this where I straight-up cheesed stuff by, like, jumping up walls. It's huh. a little buggy and off, and there's, like, a slope, and you're like, I can get up that. 
And uh, I'd imagine a lot of that would apply to the older version, but I could also see that being an issue of porting the game onto a whole new engine. Yeah, I mean, it may be something like that. And I actually know the old version has a very healthy speedrunning community and lots of glitches nice. and stuff, so I can't even imagine what that looks like. I've never watched a run. I just, I know I've heard people talk about it. Um, last thing I want to talk about is the underwear. What are your thoughts <laughs> on the underwear? I have, I'm giving you no it's other context as well. You get to explain it. It's a great system. <laughs> um, it's it, it, underwear is your lives. It's like it's like SpongeBob is wearing a few layers, you know. And anytime he dies, a, a layer flies off, and you have less underwear, so you're closer to death. <laughs> it is. is that, am I getting it right? Pretty much. You don't get to see the layers flying off, but you start out with like three or four pairs of underwear, and you basically have three or four times you can get hit before you die. The death animations are also pretty interesting. Sometimes SpongeBob just like flops down, and sometimes he shatters into a million pieces. It just doesn't make sense, but I love it. I do remember that one. <laughs> but yeah, the underwear is kind of all throughout the world, and then I mean, you get more of the roaming dialogue where he picks up the underwear and he's just like he says something about his underwear. It's like okay, it's like two lines. It's like fresh and clean, and like I I, I can't even remember them right now because. I don't know, there's just so much of the roaming dialogue. Fresh like a spring this, breeze is one of them. <laughs> this must have been a horrible game for parents to just have to hear. Oh my god, this was definitely go play day. upstairs. The attic? Yeah. Go. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you, do. you, don't, the, you don't have to hear it. You've already heard everything. We've heard everything. You've heard everything. <laughs> just just, just yeah. shut it off. <laughs> I mean, just let your imagination fill it in. So like I said, you have three or four pairs of underwear. You can find a couple of golden pairs of underwear throughout some of these worlds, which gives you an extra pair of underwear. And yeah, that's that's all I really have to say on the health system there. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to touch on before we get going is the completion bonuses. There are some of them. Ooh. And by some of them, I mean you get concept art and a cutscene. <laughs> It's not good. Cool. You collect, like, so, so many shiny objects, and you get a cutscene or something like that. And every golden spatula you get unlocks you a little bit more of the concept art. And it's okay. For, like, calling that a collection bonus, it, it's fine. The cutscene is just all the cast singing the intro to Spongebob as well, which is just like, I, I don't need this. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mr. Krabs and Mermaid Man. Yes. We're not the actual characters yes they weren't the right voice actors every most of the characters got the right voice actors mermaid man wasn't even close i think i could it, do it the mr crabs like one intern they had i think i could do the mr crabs one honest i could not i always think i'm confident with my accents and impressions and this is bad <laughs> i can do eric cartman singing heat of the moment <laughs> that, that's about all i can oh. do <laughs> I do have one last thing I want to mention. Go for it. Uh, this game, like every other early 2000s video game, has just the most wonderful objects to collect, and I wish I had one I could just hold in my hand, because they look so nice to have. Are you talking about Patrick's socks? Oh, no. The spatula and the shiny things. <laughs> the shiny <laughs> Not the socks. do look nice. <laughs> The socks are I just old video game socks. <laughs> old video game, those old 3D video games were just the absolute pinnacle of collectibles that I want to have. I don't know why. <laughs> Cody, the newer stuff doesn't hit the same. Cody wants a shelf with a Jiggy, a Super Mario 64 low poly star. <laughs> a Wind Waker rupee. Oh my god, I love Wind I love rupees in general. They're so nice. <laughs> I can't wait Dude, to cover more Zelda games. I have a 3D printer. I gotta, I gotta make a list and like print all that stuff Dude, out. Make me a rupee, <laughs> bro. I will. <laughs> all right, I think that's it. Do you have anything else to say on Battle for Bikini Bottom? No. Uh, have we gone? Have we done every episode uh, mentioning Wind Waker so far? Probably I don't close. know if we haven't mentioned it in anything. I, I know it's gotten a brief mention in most of the episodes. I can't wait to cover Wind Waker. <laughs> it'll happen one day guys we're sitting on that one because we want to like have time and really do it right and that's the one that we think is going to break the algorithm <laughs> oh yeah 
right. Well, thank you guys for listening to us nonsensically ramble about SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom for an hour. If you liked it and you haven't subscribed or followed or liked the video or rated or reviewed or whatever it is you can do to engage, do that, please. It helps. What did I do with my evening? <laughs> I feel bad for the guy who's just listening to this on his commute. <laughs> Shoutouts to we you. We love you. Shoutouts to all of you who listen. I, I really do Shout appreciate you. Shoutout to the guy you. in Oregon who's been watching every episode. <laughs> I love you. You know I what? Really you know what? If you listen to this whole episode, go ahead and give yourself a round of applause. Mm-hmm. We, we appreciate you very, very much. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.